our sin. Amen. That who we were yesterday, we are not today and we are not going to be tomorrow because the blood of Christ that was sacrificed for us. Amen. I love those words. It's rewriting my destiny. I love that. I love to know that who I was because I was some pretty rotten things is not who I am and it's not who I'm going to be because God's never going to quit changing me. He's never going to quit pushing me. He's never going to quit transforming me until I become like him. Philippians 3, and it's Paul's words that says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of for me. Brethren, I do not count myself as have apprehended, but one thing I do, 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. I believe the Lord had me read this. It's been several months ago that he put this on my heart to read that I press toward the goal. But this time when he was speaking to me and I was just praying over this, it's like he was showing me the enemy's got traps set for us. And when we fall into those traps and maybe then we have regret or shame or condemnation, that the enemy even uses that then against us more. And so we hold on to that. And I was just thinking when Joshua and the Israelites crossed over the Jordan and that the Lord opened up the Jordan River and they moved forward. After that, they had a time of cleansing. They were actually circumcised. Now we get our hearts circumcised today. Amen. So their hearts were circumcised and they stayed in the camp until they were healed. But it was that crossing over. And I just keep thinking God is moving us forward. He's moving us into a new place. He's pushing us. Amen. There are places we will always have warfare when we go forward. I just feel like God wanted me just to remind everyone and, and just share. You're going to have warfare when you're going into that door or that gate into the new place. You're going to have warfare in it, and you're going to have warfare when you come out of it because the enemy doesn't want us to go in. He doesn't want us to get through, and he doesn't want us to come out. Amen. But we've got to just keep going. And this is what I heard the Lord say. This is not a time to quit. This is not a time to stop. This is not a time to pick up. This is a time to pick up your feet and move forward to press on. And what I just see is in front of us, maybe there are some things that are, um, it looks like we can't go forward because the enemy is trying to show us we're stuck. But God's going to come and open things up. And when he does, step out and go forward because it's not a time to stop. It's not a time to stop. It's not a time to stop in the Lord. Amen.
you sing on the goodness of God this morning? Come on, can you lift up your hands? Can you give the Lord a round of applause? Can you lift up your voice this morning? Can you tell God how good He is, how good He has been? Come on, come on, you ought to give God your best praise today. You ought to lift your voice in this house this morning. We worship you, Lord. We praise your name. You are magnified in this place. Lord, your goodness and your mercy, Lord, they're going to chase us down. Lord, we honor you, God, and we give you praise in the house today. Come on, can you just lift your hands just all across this building? Come on, come on, church. I don't want to legis legislate your praise today. But I'm just going to tell you, you're going to get what you put in. So if you don't step in, you're not going to get anything. So step in, step across the threshold this morning. Heavenly Father, God, I pray, Lord, that you would move, God, in this place. Lord, that you would soften hearts. Lord, that your presence, Lord, God, the kabod, Lord, the weightiness of your presence, Lord, would just sit on your people today. God, let your anointing flow. God, let your spirit rule in this place. God, we cast down, God, sickness in the name of Jesus. God, we come against fear in the name of Jesus. God, we know, Lord, that there's joy in your presence. So, God, we just step into your presence today. Knowing of us care about us so much. Give the Lord a of applause. On, give him rest today. They may be seated. It's so good to see you today, and I know that uh, it, it may have been an effort to get here today. And uh, uh, but God is good. Amen. How many know that God is good? Amen. I know that God is good. God has been good to me. And uh, I pray that God has been good to you. And so uh, I just want to say, if you are a guest with us and this is your first time with us, I want to say welcome to you. Uh, my name is TJ. I'm the pastor here. And I want to give you a personal welcome today. So home folk, can we give all of our guests uh, a hand clap of welcome today in this place? So you can go ahead. You want to? Uh, you know, one of the things about being a pastor is that there's there's a lot of perks, there's a lot of bonuses, and uh, one one of the great perks, well, one of the great perks is you get a lot of food. That's that is that is one of the great perks. I think I've put on ten pounds since I've been here. <laughs> Praise the Lord, and we'll accept those gifts, okay? But one of the other great perks is is uh, being able to see soul and a baby. We honor today. We're going to be dedicating this morning, and we're going to ask the Johnson family. You guys, go ahead and come on up. preaching and I've already put him to sleep this morning so uh, this is Jack Walker Johnson you guys get a good look at him right there in his daddy's arms 
got the same hairstyle as his dad. He's precious, and uh, what an honor it is. And I, I just want to say I, I love this family. Uh, we haven't been here too long, just a few months, three months maybe. And uh, I appreciate your family, and uh, you guys are just an awesome family and uh, so supportive. And we're thrilled that God blessed you. We're going to grow this church one way or the other, right? Uh, bless you guys with, with Jack. And so I, I, we're going to be dedicating him today. The Bible tells us in Psalm 127.3, proclaims that sons are heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. And as a father, I can, I can definitely agree with that statement. As believers, we are called to recognize that children belong first and foremost to God. God in his goodness gives children's, children as gifts to parents. And all the parents said, amen. When you're mad at your kids, he's given you a gift. They not only have the awesome responsibility of caring for this gift, but also the wonderful privilege of enjoying the gift. And that is so true. Because children belong to God and are given by grace as gifts to parents, it is only proper and appropriate that children be dedicated back to God. We are told in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27 and 28 says, I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life he will be given over to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. Hannah presented her son Samuel to the Lord and I pray that that is your heart's cry today. In Luke chapter 22 we read that Mary and Joseph brought their baby Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem in order to present him before the Lord. There was also two older people of faith, Simeon and Anna, both had moments with the baby where they held him, pronounced God's blessing over him, and even prophesied that he would go on to do great things. This is what we believe happens during this, these dedication moments. Parents present their child to God in an act of thanksgiving and dedication to God's purchases. Together as a family, you guys will worship God. Spiritual leaders uh, bless and pray over and declare God's best for their child. Amen. <laughs> Parents and, and, and their new uh, child begin their journey together, confident that they are walking under the full blessing of God. And I pray that that is your heart's cry today. So here's how the dedication moment's going to go. And, and this is how Jesus' moment concluded. In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, it says, And the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And today, that's what we're going to be praying over little Jack today, that he's going to grow up, he's going to be strong, and the grace of God will just follow him and chase him down. In the same way, these parents today bring their son, Jack Walker Johnson, presenting first themselves and then him before the Lord our God. Accompanying them in the making of this commitment are, are these family members up here. And you guys have a role in this too. And you guys too. And also your, your family, that is your church, Cornerstone. And everyone will be a witness to this beautiful moment. So let me call your attention to the commands of, of God recorded in Holy Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4, and seven, 4 through 7, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. 
Now listen to this next part. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. I don't know, that pretty much covers every moment we should be talking about what God's command is for our lives. Ephesians 6, chapter 4, or uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. God's instructions are plain for you guys as parents. Love God with every ounce and fiber and, uh, of your energy and teach Jack to do the same. Pretty simple, really. As you love God, one another, and Reagan and Addie, you will model before them a wonderful love for God that they will want for themselves. What a responsibility. Greg and Jessica, by coming forward before God and his people, do you hereby declare your desire to dedicate yourselves and your son Jack to the Lord? If so, please respond by saying, we do. Having come freely, I ask now that you enter into the following commitment in the presence of God and his people. So that Jack may walk in the abundance of life that, it, that Christ offers, do you, Greg and Jessica, vow by God's help and in partnership with the church to provide him a Christian home of love and peace, to raise him in the truth of the Lord's instruction and discipline, and to encourage him to one day to trust Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Will you say amen? We're going to do this a little different today. I'm not going to grab baby Jack. I normally would and do the Lion King thing. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do it. But just due to social distancing, um, we're going to pray a prayer of dedication. This is what I want to do. I'm going to lead this prayer, but I want you guys to stretch your hands up this way towards this young man. I'm going to call him a young man. He's, he's going to get there. And we're going to pray a prayer of dedication over him today. Lord, we thank you, Lord. What a gift, Lord, that you've given us. God, as parents, what a responsibility, Lord, that you've given us. God, I pray, Lord, over this babe today. God, I ask, Lord, that you would just surround him with your grace and love. God, I pray, Lord, that as he's raised in this home and he's nurtured, God, I pray, Lord, that he would be raised up knowing the love of Christ and the grace of Christ. God, I pray, Lord, that as he leans into you, God, as he, as he becomes to know you later on in life, God, as, as he gains a personal relationship, God, you would anoint his footsteps. Where he or you knit his heart, God, you know that you give and dedicate him to you. We bring God as parents and as a church and God away on his way. Amen. Amen. Now we are going to ask God you guys his handwriting. Call me an old certificate of uh, you guys have baked on this day or a corner. him grow up with this church family uh, it means a lot to us and uh, we're so thankful to be back we love you all and uh, we just look forward to your grace upon Jack as he gets in trouble over the next 20 years and uh, thank you Pastor come on see I'm so glad to do that day you got your way to surprise what a, what a cutie
had a cutie. I give you the love on a little bit older, and you understand why he made them cute when they were little, right? But we know that, that God's got great things for him. And uh, what a great day. How many are excited to be in the house of the Lord today? I, I am. I want you to, to do me a favor this week. I want you to be in a matter of, of prayer. Uh, be praying community in our county and praying and uh, as believers. Be wise as, um, as a woman for social distance and we can out. Doing this brand that you get once out of this. People are afraid. No, I'm not. I know there's a brand uh, wisdom for I see uh, you're, if you can be smart, do something, get something. Right? And you're yeah. what I so, uh, And be, we do have some people that are naughty, know exactly what people you don't go in going through one anything and then it regularly will just so and so be praying for for that and, and uh, just do that and pray for our community and so uh, I, I, we talked last week about the promise of, of God's presence and uh, and I there's nothing that gets gets my juices flowing more than it doesn't in the where later and we get to God in the presence of God as we grow in God in relationship with him the closer we get to him the things of this world grow st strangely dim. We, uh, you've heard me talk about that in, in songs. We, the things of this world start to not to matter uh, near as much the closer we get to the Lord, the more that we grow in Him. And I want to just talk to you today. I talked last week about the promise of His presence and how, how uh, Moses, on, on behalf of the children of Israel, he actually stood in the gap and was a mediator between God and, and the nation Israel because God was going to wipe them out because he was fed up with them. And, and Moses stood as a mediator and, and, and prayed to God and interceded for Israel. And, and God showed mercy on the people of Israel because of Moses. And then I, I quickly ended, ended that talking about how Jesus was our mediator and how we deserve justice and wrath for our sins. And, and, and everyone, uh, Romans uh, 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone go, Whew. There's no perfect people. And uh, so uh, knowing that, we know that we need a Savior. And that Savior was Jesus Christ who came and he, he died on the cross for your sins and he was raised from the dead and he overcame anything that we could ever possibly face the only thing that we have to do is be in right relationship with him and and to know him as our savior god has made it very plain and very easy for us to enter his presence and in hebrews it tells us to come boldly into the presence of the lord that we can approach the throne room of heaven with boldness you know why because jesus is our mediator and he's giving, given us uh, uh, that ability. It's kind of like, you know, uh, if, if I'm, uh, you know, you cannot just barge into my house. Well, you might be able to, but you cannot just barge into my house. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be right for you just to walk into my house. But let me tell you something. If you were to come to the door and, and one of my kids said, hey, come on in, they would be your mediator to allow you to come into my house. And that is exactly what Jesus did for us. I want to talk to you today on this simple subject of, uh, uh, we talked about the promise of his presence last week. And this week I want to talk about entering his presence. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, entering his presence. I don't know if you know this. I'm going to give you some stats this morning, and you may or may not know this. Stats about uh, worship in the American church. 
Okay, everyone buckle up for me, all right? Everyone go, all right, here we go. Uh, did you know, many of you may have known know this, maybe many of you may not, 75% of churches in the U.S. are under 200 members. 75 uh, you know, uh, many of us, I mean, you, it's easy to get caught up. You could watch live streams. You could see all kinds of large churches. But did you know that the bulk of churches in America are under 200 members? All right. 51% of churches, ha, uh, they spend uh, less than 20 minutes of time allotted for worship during a worship service. All right. So they've only given 20 minutes of time. To give praises to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I, I know that when we get to heaven, it's not going to be just 20 minutes of, of worship. It'll be a millennial time of worship. It will be forever. We will constantly be worshiping and praising God. Listen to this. 73% sing about four to six songs in that 20-minute allotment, okay? Uh, that's either a lot of songs or, or a pretty good amount, okay? And, 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 and a lot of times when they sing these songs, they, they go from one song to the next song, and they really don't allow uh, time God does. It's almost like we have our agenda or the church has their agenda, and uh, God get on board with what we're doing and not what God is doing. Now, it's quiet in here. I, I promise we're going somewhere with this. Did you know this? A third of adults who regularly attend worship service have never experienced God. Listen to this. Two-thirds of adults could not explain what worship was. Now, those are pretty staggering uh, uh, statistics that if you read those, those can be depressing. I wouldn't suggest looking up uh, statistics on things because sometimes it's very depressing to look those things up. But I'm going to talk to you today about a hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ, okay? And I want to I just start with this, worship, what is it? So I, just to clear the air, just to clear the air this morning, I'm going to give you a real simple teaching on worship, okay? Everyone say he's going to give a real simple teaching. All right. Everyone say he's going to give a real simple teaching. All right. You guys need to loosen up a little bit. Everyone loosen up. Everyone shake your shoulders. Come on. You're going to be all right. Did you know 8,629 times worship is mentioned in the scripture? 8,629 times worship is mentioned in the scripture. Scripture stresses the importance of regular worship while at the same time recognizing that believers may worship God uh, uh, spontaneously. Now listen to this, okay? So we know uh, you hear praise and worship, and most of us, uh, you know, who've, who've been in praise and worship or have been in church, praise is the fast songs, right, and worship's the slow songs, right? That's how, we, that's how we legislate those. Praise is the fast song, and worship is the slow songs. All my musicians are laughing because that's, that's how we categorize those things, right? And so, and, and praise literally means this, to celebrate, to glory, or boast, When's the last time you boasted about God? And when was the last time you boasted to God? That's even a better question. So worship, worship, literally the word worship, and we could, we could break this down, but it literally, the easy, easy translation, worship means to lay. See, you guys thought worshiping the Lord. When you take a nap, you're really worshiping the Lord, okay? There's, there's, there's power in that. I'm, I'm, I'm just joking, okay? 
But worship, the Hebrew word in, in, in the Old Testament, it, it comes from the word shaka. Everyone say shaka. Shaka. And, and shaka literally means to lay, to lay, to lay down, just to lay before the Lord, okay? And in, in the Greek, if you go to the New Testament, worship, it comes from the Greek word proskunio, which means to lay, okay? Not just to lay down, but it also means to kiss, you see the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament right there? See, in the Old Testament, to go into the presence of God, I, and I'm, I'm not gonna, I'll give you a little bit of teaching on this. It, you, in the Old Testament, in, in, when they had the tabernacle or the temple, only, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God dwelled, where the Ark of the Covenant was. Only the high priest could go in there. Matter of fact, the high priest had to have his life right with God. And if he didn't have his right, his life right with God, he would die. Matter of fact, they had an insurance policy on the high priest when he would go into the Holy of Holies. Matter of fact, at the bottom of his robe, it went around, and there was a pomegranate, and there was a bell. A pomegranate and a bell. A pomegranate all the way around. And when he would walk, he would, he would, you would hear the bells. Clang, clang, clang. And as long as they heard the bells... In the Holy of Holies, they knew he was alive. Matter of fact, they would leave something tied to him. If they heard the bell stop, if, they, if he had some sin in his life, when he got into the presence of God, the high priest would die. We talked a little bit about it last week when, when Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. And he asked God to pass by. And, and God said, I'll let you see my hinder parts, but you can't see my face. Because if you see my face, you will die. So, so we know that, and, and it's interesting to me, in the Old Testament, it means to lay before the Lord, but when Jesus comes, our mediator comes, it goes from just laying before the Lord to kissing the Lord. Do you see the difference in the intimacy in the Old Testament and the intimacy with God in the New Testament? All right, good. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. All right, worship is not about you, it's about Him. It's not about you. It's not about your preference. Your preference should be, God, I want to give you glory in whatever it is. It's about him, the songs, the music, the lyrics, the time. And when we learn to focus our attention on him and not ourselves, we begin to engage in worship. And the problem with most of us is by the time we get to the end of our worship service, we're just then getting warmed up for the presence of God. Right? So, worship. All right. This is going to be, how do we do it physically? How do we worship physically? I, I mean, this is, this is going to be so simple. And if you're a note taker, you could write this down. Number one, with our mouths. With our mouths. I'll tell you this. Revelation 19.1 says this. And after this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, Praise the Lord. Salvation and glory and power belong to God. Acts uh, chapter uh, 16, verse 25 says, And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and what? Singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So that tells me that we worship with our mouth. Now, when you, you hear me come up here and say, open your mouth, what I'm telling you to do is declare the goodness of God with your mouth. A lot of us come into a worship setting, and we expect someone else to do 
the hard work for us and to get us into the presence of God. Your relationship with God depends on you. This worship team up here, I believe God uses them, but let me tell you something. You are responsible for your worship. They help lead the way. They open the door for us, but it's you who will walk through that door. Listen, here's number two, with our hands. Everyone say, with our hands. Psalms 47.1 says, come everyone, clap your hands. Come on, show me, everyone show me that you can clap your hands. All right, good. And then it says, shout to God with a joyful praise. Psalm 63.4 says, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Come on, can you lift up your hands today and begin to give God praise in this house? Amen. We're going somewhere today. We're going somewhere today. Okay, listen, here's number three. With our feet. With our feet. Now, sometimes we're good with this one, and we're okay with this one, but this is one that we are scared to use. With our feet. Psalms 95, 6 says, come let us worship and bow down. Sometimes when you get in the presence of God, all you can do is just bow before the Lord and say, God, I'm here and I need you. God, you are great and greatly to be praised. Here's another one right here. In Psalms 135, 1 through 3, it says, praise the Lord. And after that, it says, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O you servants of the Lord, you who stand in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for he is gracious and lovely. Did you catch that? Those who stand in the house of the Lord. Those who stand. Psalms 149, verse 3 says, praise his name with dancing. That's the one I should make you guys get up and do. Accompanied by tambourine and harp. Now listen, when we, we talk about worship, and, and, and one thing that we have to understand is there's a biblical way to worship, and there's not your standard. If your standard is not the biblical standard, you've got the wrong standard. That was better than what, what, what you guys are not, and some of you are not. Your standard is not the standard for worship. God's standard is the standard for worship. What he says, so when he says open up your mouth and praise God, when he says shout unto God with a voice of triumph, Scripture tells us that. When it says sing to God, you know what? That's his way to worship the Lord. When it says clap your hands, that's his way. When it says lift up your hands, that's his way. That's not my way. That's his way. When it says dance with all your might, uh, that's his way. When it says bow down, when it says stand, that's his way, not my way. And the problem is this. Oftentimes in worship, in worship we, we, uh, we, we make it our own. And, and, and sometimes this has been, been a statement that some people would say, worship God in your own way. That's not what the Bible says. There's one way to worship the Lord, and that's his way. And, and if it's not his way, you might want to get into your Bible and learn that, okay? So worship, why do we do it? You know, 250 times in Scripture, it's declared to praise the Lord. 250 times. Praise the Lord. Everyone say, praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And I, I'm going somewhere with this. Just, just, just bear with me. 
So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You know what that tells me? No matter what you're doing in life, no matter where you're at in life, you ought to give God praise. If you're sick in bed, you ought to give God praise. If you're tired, you ought to give God praise. If you got another thing of chips and salsa at the Mexican restaurant, you ought to give God praise. Boy, I felt that one right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So whatever you do, make sure you're glorifying God. John chapter 4, verse 24, and I love this. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. It's not your standard, it's God's standard. I'm just the messenger. I love this word. And what worship and what praise and worship does for us is it opens up intimacy between God and you and you and God because when you begin to worship God you begin to understand who God is and why he is the way he is and you begin to know God let me tell you something if I never told my wife I loved her if I never had those moments I've been married to my wife 17 years I had to think about it for a minute 17 years don't tell her that all right, 17 years I've been married to my wife. But let me tell you something. I know my wife like nobody in this world. I know the good, the bad, the ugly. Even her own parents don't know her, know her like I know her. And the same thing, God wants intimacy with you, and you ought to want intimacy with God. And what I love about that word, intimacy, and you could write this down if you're a note taker. I love this intimacy. Literally, if you break that word down, this ought to be your heart's cry, Lord. Into me you see. Know my thoughts. Know my heart. Know my good. Know my bad, God. I just want you to know me, and I want to know you. So worship. So how do we worship in spirit and truth? We're going to enter into his presence, okay? Listen to this. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Chronicles. We're going to be in, in uh, chapter 9, and I've got a lot of scripture here today. But I think there's some biblical truth that we could pull out of this today as far as worship is concerned, okay? As far as worship is concerned. 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1 says this. Now, when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with difficult questions. Let me give you the background, what's going on here. Solomon is king, obviously, David's son. And uh, Solomon has inherited a, a great kingdom. He has finished the temple of God. And uh, he has done some good things for, as far as carrying out that. So the queen of Sheba, who's probably from around Ethiopia area, is, is traveling to meet Solomon because of the good things that she's heard. How many know that as Christians, people ought to flock to us because of the good things that, that are happening in our lives and the good things that God is doing for us? Amen? So, there she, so she goes. Uh, to test Solomon with difficult questions, she had a very large retinue, which if you're not sure what that is, that's a caravan, okay, a caravan. There was just a large group with camels carrying spices and large amount of gold and precious stones. 
And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was on her heart. Boy, we should stop right there. When's the last time you talked to the Lord about all that was on your heart? I want to challenge you this week. Open up to the Lord and say, God, I, I just need to tell you some things. I need to, and he knows those things, but he likes to hear those things. So Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was hidden from Solomon, which he did not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house which uh, he had built, the food at his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his ministers, and their attire, his cupbearer and their attire, and his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, she was breathless. Verse 5. Then she said to the king, it was, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your own words and your wisdom. Verse 6. Nevertheless, I did not believe their reports until I came and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half of the greatness of your wisdom was not told to me. Your, you surpassed the report that I heard. Verse 7, how blessed are your men, how blessed are these, your servants who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord, your God, who delighted in you, sending you on his throne as the king for the Lord, your God. Because your God loved Israel, establishing them forever before he made you king over them to do justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold. Everyone say, that's a lot of gold. And great amount of spices and precious stones. There had never been spices like that which the queen of Sheba gave to King, uh, to king Solomon. The servants of Huram and the servants of Solomon who brought gold from Ophir also brought algum trees and precious stones. From the algum trees the king made steps to the house of the Lord and for the king's palace and lyres and harps for the singers. And none like that was seen before in the land of Judah. Verse 12, King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all her desire which she requested besides a return for what she had brought to the king. And then she turned and went to her own land with her servants. Let's pray today. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you, Lord, for this, this event, Lord, and this scripture, Lord that you've given us today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would enlighten our hearts, God, that you would open our minds, God, that we would leave here knowing, God, exactly how to enter your presence, God, and how there is fullness of joy in your presence and how it, there's life and life forevermore. God, I pray, Lord, that we would leave here energized and charged with your spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, I want to tell you this today. If you're going to go into the presence of a king, there is a protocol. There is a protocol. And if you were to go today and to go meet the president of the United States of America, you could not just run up to the president of the United States of America. There is a protocol. Matter of fact, they would probably call and they would invite you and say, hey, we have invited you to come meet the president, but this is what we need you to do. We need to know this about you. We need your social security number because we're going to run a background check on you and we're going to know everything about you. And before you even meet the president, they're going to know everything about you. And here's the thing. When you walk into the room, you can't just go up to the president and be like, high five. Right? Because you're probably going to get shot and knocked on the floor. 
But there is a protocol to going in to the presence of a king. Now, I know the president is not a king, okay? But I'm talking about our king. But there is a protocol to go into the presence of a king. So there's pre- three principles here that uh, to enter into his presence that I think that we can, we can glean from this story this morning, okay? Number one, here's the first thing that we learn from the queen of Sheba is this. And if you're a note taker, you ought to write this down because this is good stuff. Never come before a king empty-handed. Never come before a king empty-handed. Do you realize that the queen of Sheba, she traveled a long distance. She had a whole retinue, a whole caravan of camels to carry just all the stuff that she was bringing to meet Solomon. Why? Because there was a protocol. She understood that. She was from royal descent. She understood that if she was going to talk to the king and was going to have any kind of sway into what he was doing, she was going to have to bring him some gifts. Do you remember when Jesus was born? What did the wise men bring Jesus? Gifts. Gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Right? And so they brought gifts, and they brought offerings, and they brought them from a long ways away. They traveled a long ways. And here's what I know, and this is what I've learned in my walk with the Lord. You never come into the presence of the king empty-handed. You come bringing something to the Lord. See, you, you never come into his presence. You come into to the presence of a king with a prepared offering before you get there. Can I, can I give you some encouragement, church? Can I give you some encouragement? Before you get to the house of God, you have already had already been, have prepared your gift and brought it to the Lord. When you get here, that's not the time to start preparing your gift. Your gift should have already been prepared when you walk through those doors. You wouldn't need a 20-minute warm-up if you came in with a prepared gift. Right? And, and, and here's what, listen, I, and, and love on me, I'll hide behind here. But can I tell you this? Your half-lethargic stance and stare into the screen with an occasional clap is a weak gift. Because I can promise you, when you get to heaven, you're never going to grow tired of, of worshiping Jesus. You're never going to grow tired. You might as well already just start preparing now. You might as well get ready right now. See, and I want to ask you this today. What are you bringing to the table, and what are you bringing to God? What are you bringing to God? If the only time you worship is on Sunday morning, you miss the point. I'm, I'm not saying it's not, a, it's not a bad thing that you're worshiping on Sunday morning, but you ought to worship God on Monday. Scripture told us to give God glory in our bodies, to give God glory at all times. So even when you don't feel like it, you ought to worship him. You ought to give him a gift. You ought to prepare an offering for him. Even when it's hard, even when it's tough, even when it don't look good, you ought to love on him. You ought to give him a gift. Never come before a king empty-handed. Number two. Here's number two. The king receives honor from the condition of his subjects. You want the world to know Jesus? They're looking at you. When they look at your life, does your life honor Jesus? 
The condition of your heart, does it honor Jesus? Does the way you talk honor Jesus? Do the things that you listen to honor Jesus? Does the movies that you watch honor Jesus? God receives honor from us uh, when we are excited about him and his presence. Can I, can I tell you this? Uh, so many times, and I've been there before, and I'm from Missouri, but sometimes our Missouri mule face when we come into worship is just like. You know, and, 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 and it's not really showing that you have a deep, meaningful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But I know there's days where you're up and, and you're down. Everyone do this. Everyone smile at me. Oh, I'm going to do it until everyone smiles at me. We'll make it awkward in here. It's okay. Smile at me. You know what you need to do? Notify your heart that God is your Savior and smile. And that you are God's chosen. And notify, you know, you know some of you need to tell your face that you're ready to worship when you come into the building. Your heart needs to tell your face, hey, it's time to worship. It's hard not to worship when you're smiling. It, it, it is. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, it's, it's just the way it is. You'll see me. I mean, maybe many of you don't see me, but I, I just smile in the presence of God because God's so cool. He's so good. I don't deserve his glory. And all I can do is just laugh about it and be like, God, I cannot believe you still love me. It blows my mind. But I'm happy about it. You know, how often do we give God our best and everything else? Our extracurricular activities on our golf game, or we're, we'll give our best at, at playing golf, right? We'll give our best at our job. We'll give our best at so many other things. But how often do we not give God our best? Think about this. You know, how many remember when you when you went on your first date? And I got in trouble last week because I said Applebee's, and someone came up to me after church about their first date be, being at Applebee's, and someone came up to me and said, that was my first date. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, 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 to poke fun at that. I apologize about that. But we smile. Remember, remember, I remember the first time me and Trista, we went on a date, and I was such a high roller that my dad gave me a gift card that someone had given him to take Trista to a restaurant. And, and uh, this restaurant was well beyond what we were dressed for. And, and honestly, I thought, oh, I'm really going to impress Tristan. Thanks, Dad. And, and, so, and so I took this gift card, and we went into this restaurant. And, uh, I mean, it was fancy. So, you know, you had like three forks and, you know, all the silverware. I was already confused when I walked in the door, you know. And, and we sat down, and uh, just, just teenagers, 16 and probably 17 years old. And, and there we are, and we're eating dinner. And Tristan, all she could do was smile and giggle the whole time. And I was like, why are you laughing? She's like, I just feel awkward in here. And, you know, and all these, uh, like, fancy placemats, place and we, we were definitely out of place, but that's okay. You know what? <laughs> you know, God, God just allowed us to do that. So it was such a, but, but we smiled and we laughed. And how do you remember when you, when you first met your, your spouse and how you just looked into their eyes and your heart melted and, and you just, you couldn't help but smile when you think about them. That's what we ought to do when we think about the presence of God. God, I love you so much. When I think about how good you've been, and when I think about how, what you've brought me out, 
out of. And God, when I think about you've not given me what I deserve, Lord, but you've given me grace, God, I can't help but smile at you. Can I tell you this? What's, What's equally cool here is that God smiles at you. You're not perfect, but God knows that, but God still loves you. And he looks at you and he says, hey, you know what? You've got a purpose and a plan, and I love when you begin to worship me. And he just sits there and goes, yeah, come on. Woo, Greg's really getting down up there on the front row today. Smile, everyone say smile. Why should we smile? Because we have a close relationship with the Lord. And oftentimes, you know, we, we, we will smile about our relationships with our kids or with our spouse or whatever. And we'll get excited about that. But how come when it comes to our relationship with the Lord that we fail to do that? And we fail to connect with God. And we fail to connect to Him. I can promise you this. If my wife texts me and I don't text her back within a reasonable amount of time, I'm going to hear about it later. To be like, why didn't you text me back? I'm a priority. But how often has the Lord spoke to us and we put him and we ghosted him and we said, I'll I'll get back to you, but I'm not going to just get back to you at this moment. And God's calling and he's saying, I want a relationship with you. I want to have this relationship with you. I want you to come into my presence because I want to show you that there's more. Is your life showing others that you are a servant of the king? That's rhetorical. You don't have to answer that out loud. Is your life showing others that you are a servant of the king? The Bible says this there in that scripture that the subjects were adorned with garments, that they had garments on, that they looked good. And in Isaiah chapter 61, it tells us this, that, the, that God says, to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of of heaviness. Can I tell you this? Look at me. You choose the garment you wear. The garment doesn't choose you. Come here, Wyatt. Come here. All right, surprise. Grab your jacket. Grab your jacket. Come on up here. Today, when I went to my closet, I picked this shirt out. I didn't go to the closet and open up the closet, and all my shirts go, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. And if they did, I would probably freak out. But I went in there, and I said, it feels like a blue day today. Honey, is this iron? That's what, no, I'm just kidding. And and I grabbed this shirt, and I put this shirt on. Put your jacket on. Isn't he a good-looking dude? The Bible says, put on the garment of praise. See, some of us are are wearing the garment of heaviness versus the garment of praise. And the reason sometimes we come in here and we're not moved by the presence of God because we are coming in with the wrong garment. I talked about preparing a gift, bringing the right gift. And when you come into this place, you ought to remember that. The one thing that you ought to remember is this. Am I wearing the garment of praise when I walk through those doors? Am I wearing the garment of praise or am I wearing the garment of heaviness? Take your jacket off. 
Don't get in a hurry. Now put it back on. Now take it off. Getting hot. Now put it back on. Listen, what's, what's the point that I'm making? If you're going to come in to the presence of God, you're going to have to be intentional about putting on the garment of praise. You're going to have to make it and make it up in your mind before you get up on Sunday morning that I'm going to come in with expectation that I believe that God is going to do the impossible when I walk through the door. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, buddy. Ultimately, you have the choice to wear the garment of praise. The next one, number three, and I like this one. I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come back this way. Number three, a king, this is entering into his presence here, a king will not allow you to give a better gift to him than he gives to you. Let me repeat that. A king will not allow you to give a better gift to him than he gives to you. Isaiah chapter uh, 61 says this, to all who mourn, and I talked about this a few weeks ago. In Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. You give God ashes, he gives you a, head, a crown or a headpiece of beauty. He says here. You give me ashes. I talked about my kids' drawings. They give me drawings. I give them money because they're priceless to me. And God says, hey, it doesn't have to be the perfect gift, but just bring something in your hands. It says this. He, he gives us a, a, a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning. Put on the garment of praise, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like the great oaks. That the Lord has planted for his own glory. Can I tell you something? We give God our brokenness, our despair, our tiredness, our weakness. He gives us fulfillment, joy, energy, strength. Not a fair trade, really. And can I tell you this? When I was growing up, uh, you know, my dad used to sing this song, and we don't sing it anymore. But I think it's pretty awesome. Is uh, You cannot give the Lord, no matter what you do. You'll find out in the end that the Lord's out giving you your silver and your gold. No matter what you give to God, he will always out give you. I don't know about you, but I like that. I love that. You know, it's funny, you know, like at Christmas time because our kids don't, well, they have a job, but they don't really have jobs, but they like to buy Christmas gifts for mom and dad, so we buy our own Christmas gifts, right? It's all good. It's okay. But the thing about it is this. As a parent, I'm not going to let my kids outgive me at Christmas or on their birthday. I, I appreciate the gifts that they give us, they're from the heart, that means a ton as a parent, but here's the thing, at Christmas time, I get more joy out of blessing them, and I love what they give me, 
But I get more joy out of blessing them and seeing their faces on Christmas Day and on their birthdays. And can I tell you this? It's the same thing with the Lord. He gets so much joy out of you giving him your gift and be like, here, Lord, I, I bought you this. You, you really paid for it. And God's like, oh, that's so cool. You know what's awesome? You get all of this. Can I tell you this? Or let me ask you this. What's keeping us from true worship today? I know this was simple. A fruitful life in God comes out of intimacy. Let me repeat that. A fruitful life in God comes out of intimacy with God. You want to know God? Get to know God. You know, I mean, you read his word. Pray to him. You want to know the presence of God? Oftentimes we look at people, spiritual leaders and pastors and, and people and prophets, and we say, what is the Lord speaking to you? And you know what? God will speak to you in the same way if you'll let him. It's amazing. A fruitful life in God comes out of intimacy. It's just maybe that person has spent the time with, in intimacy with the Lord and said, God, I don't have much of a gift, but here's this gift. And God's been like, well, here's these blessings I'm just going to pour out on you. Listen to this. If I, I, I want to read you this. If I was the devil, how would I keep you from growing close to God? Now listen to this. I, I, I saw this, and I'm going to read it. Re read this to you. And, and, and see if this doesn't, doesn't pull at your heart. If I was the devil, how would I keep you from growing close to God? Number one, I'd make worship to be a routine. About 20 minutes. I'm done. I'd make you busy doing things for God, nothing uh, uh, or nothing for God, instead of getting close to God. Let me repeat that. I'd make you busy doing things for God or nothing for God instead of getting close to God. Now listen, as, as a leader and as a, as a pastor and as, as someone in a church, it's easy to get so busy doing the things of God that we forget to get close to God. And I don't know about you, but I would rather be close to God and to know Him. I'd let you sing from the edge about God but I'd get scared if you started singing to God. It's one thing to sing about God, but it's another thing to sing to God. It's one thing to tell God how good he is, but it's another thing to say, God, you are good. I'd make you never pick up your Bible or worship outside of church because the lifestyle of worship and adoration to God is dangerous to me. Now, remember, this is the devil saying this. I'd lie to you and make you think intimacy with God is for the weak. I'd keep you away from God because I know as soon as you have an intimate encounter with God that you are going to change. When you get into the presence of God, you can't help but be transformed, and you can't help but be changed. Let me give you an example. Remember the man legion in the Bible? Only 3,000 people. So go back to where, and you need to testify. You need to tell everybody that knew your past how you were changed by the presence of God. 
Let me ask you this. So what is keeping you from true, intimate worship with him? Will you bow your heads with me all across this building? And I know this was a different word today, but I felt like it was an on-time word. It's burning in my heart. And I, as I prayed this week, I just felt a stirring in my heart that God is preparing us as a people and preparing us as a church and preparing us as a nation for what for about for what he's about to do and i have to say that we need to prepare our hearts and we need to change our motives and we need to ask god to help us of worship, to enter into his presence, never come to a king empty-handed. People will know who your king is by how you're adorned, how you're dressed, and how you're living. And here's the last principle to entering into his presence is you'll never outgive God. He'll give you more than, than you can even anticipate. Stand with me all across this building. If you're here today with all eyes closed and heads bowed, I, I want to give you an, an opportunity today. Maybe you're a guest today. I want to give you an opportunity to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to know him as your personal Savior. You heard me talking about having a relationship with him and what it means to be intimate with the Lord saved, that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, that he dwells in you, and he'll lead you and guide you, and have a real relationship with you. It's not about religion, it's not about living a certain way, it, it, it's about relationship with Jesus. Because of that relationship, you'll, you'll decide to live right, because you, you want to, you if you're here and you say, hey, I don't know Jesus, and I would like to know him as my personal Savior today. I want to give you that opportunity today. Under the sound of my voice, you hear that, you feel the Holy Spirit reaching you. That tug at your heart is conviction. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you. The Bible says that we'll only come to know God by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's wooing you and, and, and pulling to you, shaking you. That's the look at you. Ask that song one more time. This is what I want you to do. Just like Wyatt, I want you to take off the garment of heaviness. I want you to replace it with the garment of praise as they sing this song. I don't want you to worry about the clock. You'll get to lunch. Don't worry. Don't worry about who's beside you. Don't worry about who's across the building. This is between you and God. Into me, Lord, you see. So let's stretch our hands towards heaven. Lord, today, God, God, we pray, Lord, that the spirit of heaviness would be broken. 
God, we come against it right now in the name of Jesus. God, we lay off. God, we lay aside, God, every weight and heaviness right now. God, we replace it, Lord, with the garment of praise. God, we lift our voice. God, we open our mouths. God, we shout with the voice of triumph. God, we clap our hands. Lord, we move our feet. Lord, we bow in your presence. Lord, because we have to worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, Lord, we seek you the way we know how. The Lord, Lord, the way it's been demonstrated to us, God, by the, your word. So, God, we seek you. Lord, we praise your name. Come on, can you lift your voice and lift your hands all across this building? Come on, love on him. Come on, church. Come on. Come on and lift your voice. Lord, we worship you. We honor you, Jesus. We praise your name. We praise your name, Lord. Come on, let's come on, declare this. I love you, Lord. Worthy are you, 
Lord. Everyone smile. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to tell you today that God is taking us somewhere. You just open your heart and you open your mind and you open your spirit to God and let him lead you. Put your expectations of what you know back behind you and say, God, I know what to expect from you. And God will do exceedingly and great things. Amen. Come on, give him one more praise in the house. Sure. 